Good morning, my brothers and sisters. As I said, it's good for me to be back, and it's good for me to be able to see all of you and recognize old faces and see a lot of you. I mean, there's things that are changed, but a lot of things remain the same, right? Of course, I, I lost more hair, and our old pastor is just still um, old and grumpy in the morning. I don't know, he said I, I, got, I got brighter and he just got more well-rounded. And so uh, that's his word, not my words, okay? That's his word. <laughs> but it's good to be back and it's good to be able to share with you in this journey. Our Lord always calls and invited us, especially on the season of Lent, to really discover that journey of faith and to shed ever clearer light on the joy and that encounter with Christ. And so that's why last week we saw how the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tested in the desert. And the Holy Spirit wanted to lead us also into that interior journey into that same desert. And today, on that, in the second Sunday of Lent, the church presents to us the image of Abraham and the transfiguration to show us about that journey we are called to make in Lent and in life. To place our trust and to know that God is with us. I mean, can you imagine Abraham at 75 was called by the Lord to leave his native place to go to a place that the Lord will show him, but doesn't even indicate for him what that destination would be. But he packed up and left. Most of those in Ur of the Chaldees must have thought he was out of his mind. And when God told him that even though he and his wife Sarah has been trying to conceive a child for more, probably more than 30, 50 years without success. He would become the father of many nations, with descendants as numerous as grains of sands and stars in the heavens. Abraham journeyed out of his own experience of biological impossibility and by faith followed the Lord. And among his descendants will be the God in the flesh. And even when God asked him to sacrifice his beloved son of the promise, Isaac, he was so willing and trusting to make that journey that he felt that even if Isaac was dead, God could bring him back from the dead. And that does make that journey of impossibility and respond with loving, trusting obedience in the face of struggle. And today in the gospel, Jesus led Peter, James, and John 
on a grueling, grueling hike up an exceedingly high mountain in the middle of the night. I mean, imagine for us, especially when we were seminarians, when that 520 bell rang, it felt like gunshot going off, you know? <laughs> and here Jesus asking them to walk with him, to journey with him in the middle of the night with nothing prepared. And yet they accepted the invitation, probably grumbled under their breath, but they accepted the journey and began to learn to share their pride, share their own self-sufficiency and trust, and trust and surrender themselves to their teacher. And that's what they encounter on the top of that mountain. Was everything beyond that they can ever imagine. They encounter God himself. And I think for all of us, I mean, especially in every land, Jesus wants to lead us on that same journey of faith. He wants to call us, especially in our struggle, in our trials, to rise, to rise from the dead, and to pick up ourselves, to follow him up these mountains. And especially for all of us, we're all like to be assured. We all like things to be prepared and everything that there is. We like our comfort. We like our desire. But our God asks us many times in our lives to pick up and follow him. And he asks us especially to lighten the load of our life, not to be bogged down by our own baggage, especially the baggage of our soul. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I was asked by the youth group to join them on a camping trip up the mountain. And they said, Father, well, you're the adult, so you, you should take care of the, the campfire, and if you can help us and bring some trash back, that would be great. And so I said, sure, of course, I, I can do all those things. I didn't think about it at all, okay? I just stuffed my trunk with firewood, black trash bags, a can of gas, an axe, and a shovel. Didn't give it a thought at all. I thought all these things are probably things I need until I was going down the highway a little bit too fast and got pulled over by the police. <laughs> and that's when it hit me I hope he don't open my trunk because I have a whole CSI scene in the back there. <laughs> didn't hit me at all that sometimes I, I hold on to those comfort, those things that might hold me back. But how often is it for us, especially in, in a deeper dimension, the deeper dimension of our families, of our homes, when at times we hold on to the little things 
that prevent each other from actually seeing face to face? How often do we hold on to this little grudge or this little uh, anger or annoyance that sometimes we don't speak to our spouses for days on end? I know my, my father, when we were back in Vietnam, God bless his soul, he is a really kind and really nice and diplomatic person, right? We were very poor, and so often when we buy anything, we buy, buy them when they are on sale and we buy them bulk. We would try to get a lot. And my mom is not much of a cook at all at that time, okay? And so every time when she makes something and it's a little bit salty for the taste, he will actually say, oh, honey, it's salt on sale today. (laughs) Very diplomatic ways of getting into something. But I think it gives us a good insight into the lives that we live. At times, it can be that just that small thing that can always stay with us and annoy us and lead to our disagreement, lead to us not seeing each other eyes to eyes. And so our Lord is inviting us, especially inviting us on this journey for us not to fret over the little things, but to surrender oneself wholly and seek for him, follow after him, to surrender our comfort, our desire, to put away our pride so that we can see each other eyes to eyes, and especially on our insistence of control and trust that God will walk with us. Father Gary insists that I share with you the journey that I have made over this past five years. I usually don't do this in the homily, but he insisted, okay? And it was, what, what a journey it has been, especially for me, in this five years of the priesthood. And you know, I then started, and I share that with all of you. I remember the first day as well when I just began by driving back from Mount Angel, driving back home to New Mexico to our archdiocese. And I was going to say, I'm going to go down the Pacific one, and I'm going to take my time before going back to ordination. Well, as I was going down on the Pacific one, I got a phone call from the archbishop. And he said, well, Ty, are, are you sitting down? I need to talk to you. And I was like, oh, for crying out loud, I do all this years of my life. Drive off the cliff now, right? <laughs> and he told me, no, 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 calm down, calm down. It's not that serious. I was like, oh, thank God. And then he said, well, I need you to report to work immediately. We assign you to the cathedral, and we need help. And I said, Archbishop, uh, I'm not even ordained yet. And so he said, well, but we need you to report immediately. Normally, everybody, okay, normally everybody get three weeks of times off 
after they were ordained for them to go Thanksgiving Mass to come and share with all of that, with especially parishes where they have been. Well, I was ordained on Saturday of Pentecost. On Sunday, I give the thanks first and Thanksgiving Mass. On Monday, I was at work. 12 hours. 12 hours off. And within about two months or three months in, what the assistant that was there had a medical emergency and he went into rehab. And so that's why they needed me there immediately. But I was there for three months about. The rector of the cathedral had an emergency and went on rehab. Three, three months old priest was in charge of the cathedral. I remember I texted Father Gary and told him about it. And the first thing he said to me, okay, who did you piss off? <laughs> I heard. But it was, it was such a journey, and I was able to continue to do ministry, tiresome, but I, I continued to do my ministry until about March when the archbishop brought in a new rector and another assistant to help at the cathedral. And I was able, after all of that, I was showing them what to do and getting them uh, catch up on everything. And after Easter, I told, I told the rector, okay, I need a break. I, I haven't had my break ever since I was ordained. And then he said, well, okay, yeah, why don't you take a vacation, okay? And so that's what I did. I, I agree, and I take a vacation, supposed to be a three-week vacation to Vietnam to say my Thanksgiving Mass with my family back in Vietnam. And a week in, I got a call from the archbishop. <laughs> he said, can you come back? we decided to uh, assign you to a different parish. <laughs> Why? Well, I'm on vacation. And I don't remember if I text Father Gary or not, but if I told him, uh, he'd probably tell me, well, who did you piss off? <laughs> and so I entered into this parish. I came back early from my vacation. I, I went into the parish. And this parish was blessed, yes. But at the same time, it had one pastor for 36 years ever since it was founded. Nothing was ever changed. Nothing was repaired. And everything was exactly the same the way it was. They had a $250,000 debt with $60,000 in the bank. And they spent $30,000 on the pastor's funeral. And I remember when I came in and I, when I found out all of that, I sat in front in the chapel and I complained to, to our Lord. And I said, I was comfortable where I'm at. I just hit my stride. I just entered into all of this and you just have to pull me out. Right? But at that moment, I almost hear him saying to me, I carry the cross for you. Can you come and walk with me? 
And so I said, well, if, you know, it's your church, not mine, okay? If you want me to be here, you have to take care of it. Uh, that, that was my dialogue with God. And when I entered, the first week I entered into the parish, I had, of course, the emergency meeting with the staff and uh, some of the parish council member. And the first thing that was said to me was, boy, you don't belong here. And so I look at that staff and I said, boy, I guess I won't see you next week. He thought I was going to leave. I reminded him that I paid the check, and so I signed the check, and so he was fired. But I came into this parish with, of course, with, with nothing in hand, and you know, as I started, and guess what happened? COVID hit. COVID hit, and yes, it was the hardest time for all of us but you know, at the same time, I see it in a way that there was blessing that, that came. Why? Because God gave me all of a sudden a clean slate to start over. And so I was able to gather new staff, was able to gather new parish council, new people together, and within the first week, I was able to have the online mass and begin to have masses outdoor. And only two weeks later, the archbishop called me. It's like, I didn't give you permission to do outdoor masses. And I, of course, you know, learned from the best here. <laughs> I immediately told the archbishop, well, you didn't tell me no. <laughs> That's how I'm doing it. Right? But from that, it's begun this whole journey. And if I had not said yes to our Lord, I would have been able to walk on this wonderful journey in which I was able to share each moment and begin to build this wonderful church once again. This is how I came in, okay? I came in to a place where completely isolated, completely desolate, with carpet that are 36 years old with still marking on it. In front of the church is a tomb and a statue of St. John the 23rd that is bigger than life, and I mean bigger than life, okay? And so I gathered the people together and I said, we have to do something because people are tripping and falling and all of everything. And we begin to work I were able to set up that whole area once again so that we can actually celebrate Mass outdoor. Throughout the whole time of COVID, we were doing Mass outdoor with all the doors open. And when they said, well, you can only have 25 people indoor, I said, well, I'm outside, right? I'm outside. Was able to do all of that with the grace of our Lord. And one of the amazing things that happened was while our archdiocese was in bankruptcy. And so they have to sell all these churches, all these patrimonies and art. And that's when I caught news that they are selling this wonderful piece that I found out to be commissioned 
and dedicated under Pope John the Twenty-Third himself. And so I stopped begging people for money. I stopped begging some of them and paid the archdiocese off to purchase that and bring that back into our church. And so imagine when I came into the church, that's what it looked like. Okay, completely bare, blank wall, not even a crucifix in the church. And I begin to work with them, begin to decorate, begin to bring everything back in, okay, and end up with that wonderful art piece at our archdiocese at the parish. And imagine that art piece was given to us by John XXIII himself. I remember, I, I told Father Gary that um, it was on the feast day of St. John XXIII that I have to run up to the place where they had this art piece and work with the contractor in taking it down. And while they were working, they, they hit something, and they called me over, and I was able to pick it up and I told them, I think it's the time capsule. And I opened that time capsule and pulled out one of the folders that was in there. It was the letter and the picture that was signed by John Twenty-Third himself. And a couple of gold coins that I used to pay the archdiocese off. Okay? <laughs> Don't tell them I said that, okay? Don't tell them I had that. But it allowed, you know, it, it, it's such a wonderful journey that I was able to share. If I had not able to say yes to God in moment of trials, in the moment of temptation, I would not have been able to walk through this wonderful journey and begin to see how his presence with me every moment of the way. My brother and sister, God always invites us and asks us, to trust. Let us trust in him. Let us place ourselves in his arms and he will show us the wonderfulness that he is. Amen.